We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub drink and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the New York Giants. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Dunleavy, a Giants beat writer for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. In this episode, he talks with us about whether the team will draft running back Saquon Barkley or a quarterback with the number two overall pick, the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. being traded away, and the impact of Pat Shermer and Mike Shula on the offense. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. A couple of things before we jump into it. Uh, I unfortunately <laughs> recorded this episode while my neighbors were having a lot of yard work done. So at points, there is significant background noise, uh, and that is obviously unfortunate. 
Uh, I didn't feel as if I could go, you know, tell the workmen to, you know, be quiet at their jobs uh, or ask my neighbors if they could you know, arrange to have the guys come back at a later time because, you know, uh, the neighbors know where I live. So uh, I tried to mute my microphone as much as I could during the interview, but uh, there is still a lot of, no- of noise at points. So, uh, again, apologies for that. You have been warned. Also, since this episode is being released the week of the draft, my analysis section to close the show is going to be very short. Uh, So finally, uh, this was recorded shortly before news came out that Brandon Marshall was cut from the team. Uh, So keep that in mind. That factors in just a little bit, but not all that much. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Ryan Dunleavy of NJ.com and the Star Ledger. You can follow him on Twitter at Rye Dunleavy. Ryan, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Uh, the Giants. This is one of the most fascinating teams, I think, uh, both just in terms of, of composition and offseason movement and then where they are positioned in the draft. And I think a lot of it starts with Eli Manning. Uh, I guess the question is, how much does the team – uh, trust him for the foreseeable future? Do they trust him enough to uh, entirely bypass the quarterback position in this draft? Well, they trust him for 2018. They've already said he's their starter for 2018. So if they pick somebody, it's going to be the old school plan of that guy comes in and sits for at least half a year, which is what Eli did as a rookie, or maybe a full year, or maybe longer like Aaron Rodgers once did. Um I think they trust him for 18 and beyond that, we'll see how he does this season is basically the, you know, play it by ear kind of thing. If he, if the Giants are a three and 13 team, it's hard to imagine Eli Manning is the quarterback in 2019. If they're an 11 and five team, it's not hard to imagine he's the quarterback in 2019. So I guess really, even though Eli Manning's age and future is the reason the Giants are considering a quarterback with the number two pick, it really is independent of Eli Manning because I don't think the guy is going to start. I think whether they pick one or not is basically whether they think there's one there who's worthy of being a what Dave Gettleman has called a Hall of Famer because that's what he wants with the number two pick. He wants somebody that he can see going to the Hall of Fame. Well, uh, there are a number of guys uh, in this class that some people are fairly enthusiastic about is there a quarterback i mean sam darnold is the name you know reportedly that if he is there on the board he might be the only quarterback that the giants would consider draft uh is he the guy that they are really looking for or have you heard about other guys they really are interested in uh the giants have done a good job with smoke screens they've put out and they've been to all the pro days they've met individually with all the quarterbacks they've done a really good job of uh, not giving away what they want to do. Um, the name that everybody says is Darnold, like you said, and that doesn't surprise me because I think that Darnold is the most Eli Manning-like. And by that, I mean he's like a pocket passer and he's a good teammate and he's boring as all heck with the media and he's never going to say the wrong thing. And um, he's a guy that I think people would rally around. He's the guy who you know, thanks the equipment manager for keeping the balls dry. That's exactly what Eli is. So if Dave Gettleman, who was with the Giants when they drafted Eli, the Giants, now he's the general manager. If he wants 
to just kind of keep that prototype going for 30 years instead of 15 years, then Darnold's the guy. Uh, the guy that interests me is Rosen. I've always thought he would be a good fit for New York. I love him as a passer. Uh, I don't know exactly how the Giants feel about him because they've kept it, you know, they've done a good job keeping things under wraps. But if they didn't pick Darnold, but they did pick a quarterback, to me, the next guy would be Rosen. I don't see Mayfield with the Giants, and I don't see Josh Allen with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Well, if it happens that uh, either Darnold is is no longer on the board or the team just decides they want to go in another direction. One of the names that uh, has been tossed out is running back Saquon Barkley from Penn State. Uh, You know, recently we have seen running backs go uh, number four uh, with Ezekiel Elliott and then number four again last year with Leonard Fournette. Do you think that the Giants would sort of, you know, up the ante, so to speak, by taking a running back number two overall? Yeah, I think if you ask me today who they're going to pick, that's who they're going to pick. They literally are falling all over themselves, complimenting Saquon Barkley. And I asked uh, Louis Riddick, the ESPN analyst who interviewed to be the Giants GM in December, kind of, do you believe that or is that like a smokescreen? And he, uh, Riddick, is very clear that he thinks there's a very strong sentiment pro Barkley in the Giants facility. And when he says that, he must be talking about ownership because obviously he didn't interview with Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman got the job instead of him. So he interviewed with the ownership and clearly the owner said uh, that they are pro Barkley and pretty much John Mara, who's one of the co-owners of the Giants, said he doesn't think that number two is too high to pick a running back when we asked him at the owners' meetings. Obviously, there's only one running back you're talking about there, and that's Saquon Barkley. Uh, I asked Kirk Herbstreet about Barkley this morning. He said he thinks uh, Barkley is better than Fournette and uh, Elliott because of all the things he does in terms of pass protection, in terms mm-hmm. of as a receiver, in terms of as a kick returner. Um, so the Saquon Barkley hype train is just out of control right now. And I definitely think that the Giants, if if Barkley is there, I think he's the guy they're picking. The question would be if Barkley and Darnold are there, if the Browns do something Brownsy like pick Josh Allen with the number one pick, what will the Giants do? If the Browns pick Darnold, I, you can pencil in Barkley, I think. That's, that's interesting because let, let's go to that hypothetical scenario because I think it is very Brownsy and very possible that they do take Josh Allen in that scenario where uh, they can take Darnold, who many people think is the number one quarterback in the draft. And then Barkley, uh, you know, the player many people think is the best overall player in the draft. Where do you think that they would go? Yes, that's their like uh, Sophie's choice, so to speak. Uh, it's, uh, it's almost like I can't lose, really. I think they'd be happy either way. Um, to me, I would think I would think that they'd probably go with um, – Barkley, because they've made so many win now moves, they've not trading Odell Beckham, signing Nate Soldier as the highest paid left tackle, signing Jonathan Stewart as a 30 year old running back. Uh, that being their only running back move so far this offseason, trading two draft picks for linebacker Alec Ogletree. All those are win-now moves, and drafting Saquon Barkley is a win-now move. But, you know, if I'm 51% fit saying they'd pick Barkley in that hypothetical, then I'm 49% 
that they'd pick Darnold. I really think that they might use all 15 minutes in that situation because I think they'd be thrilled with either player. Um, so I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was, uh, if that was a down to the minute kind of thing. It would be actually, it would be doing them a favor probably if the Browns took one of those two guys and made their decision easier. Mm-hmm. So knowing that they would be fine or, you know, satisfied with Darnold or Barkley, what would it take for them uh, possibly to trade down out of the number two pick? That's something that has kind of been floated out there as a possibility that maybe they would move down and a team like the Bills or someone else might move up. Do you think that is likely? What would they need to be willing to move down? I think two things, and obviously they're kind of conjoined. Um, a boatload of picks set me up for the 2019 and maybe 2020 drafts as well, or us uh, not moving down too far. Um, I think they're most likely to trade down in a scenario where they are trading down, which I don't, which is probably to me the third most likely thing. I, if I was ranking them, I'd probably say pick Barkley, pick Darnold, trade down. And if I was ranking them in a scenario where you're only trading down, then I think the most likely thing they do is trade down maybe with the Broncos to five. And in that case, they're still going to get Bradley Chubb, probably who uh, would probably be their second non-quarterback on the board behind Barkley. I think Bradley Chubb, they'd be thrilled to get at five, um, maybe trade down to six or seven. Uh, then you're talking about Quentin Nelson, the uh, guard from Notre Dame. They love him as well. I think that if you could tell the Giants they'd get Barkley, Dar- Barkley Chubb, or Nelson, they'd trade down to whatever the lowest spot is they could do to get one of those three players. I think they'd be happy with that. Um, if you're talking about trading down with the Dolphins or trading down with the Bills, 11 or 12, trading with the Patriots at 23 and 31, I think you're going to need to give the Giants a boatload of picks because they're not going to pass up the opportunity to get a face of the franchise kind of player. Uh, and to do that, I think they need to stay in the top seven or so. All right. You mentioned earlier uh, that the team's decision not to trade Odell Beckham signals that they are in more of a win-now mode. Uh, a, a question is, uh, do you think that it is still on the table for them to trade Beckham as they get closer to the draft, or maybe they could trade him in the draft uh, once the market is open and uh, you know people are looking to trade in and out of spots? Uh, I think that if they don't trade him in the draft, they're not, it doesn't make any sense to trade him. So if they haven't traded him by April 26th, he'll be on the team because it doesn't make any sense to trade him for 2019 or 2020 draft picks. That doesn't make any sense to me. So you either trade him before or you trade him during. Uh, and to me, I would tell you that they have to trade him, um, for, for draft picks, for 2018 draft picks. Um, that's the only thing you're ever going to get. That's, you're not going to get players comparable to Odell Beckham. You're going to, if you're going to do it, you're going to get draft picks. All that being said, Matt, I don't think they should trade him. I don't think they will trade him. I never thought they would trade him. I just think it's too impossible to get a player to get fair value for Odell Beckham. You look at Jarvis Landry, who is not as good as Odell Beckham, but he's, you know, he's a top receiver in the NFL. And he just got traded from the Dolphins to the Browns for a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. I mean, in where in no world is that enough for Odell? 
Odell Beckham. The Giants reportedly wanted two first round picks. So I didn't see anybody being willing to give up that steep a price, but I didn't think the Giants were nuts for asking for that kind of price. It's just too hard to trade a player of Beckham's caliber. It's the same thing with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers. It's just too hard to trade a player that that's, that's that good because teams don't want to give up the assets that's required and teams don't want to take less than he's worth. So, uh, I don't think the Giants trade Beckham. If they did, I would think it would have to be, um, but right before or during the draft to a team like the 49ers or the Browns who are picking in the top 10. So we've also heard rumors about Des Bryant wanting to join the Giants. Do you think they have any interest in him? It's funny. I don't, they're not even ru- rumors really, right? I mean, Des Bryant has pretty much said he would like to stay in the NFC East, that it would be crazy to join the Giants. I mean, he, he's, Sometimes sports writers are fanning the flames in these situations. Des Bryant himself is fanning the flames here. And uh, no, I don't see it because it doesn't make any sense to me. The Giants have Odell Beckham. The Giants have Sterling Shepard. The Giants have Brandon Marshall. The Giants have Evan Ingram. And the Giants could have Saquon Barkley. That's more than enough offensive firepower for Eli Manning. And it. I don't want to say Beckham is a distraction because I think that's the most overused word in sports, but he certainly has caused the Giants headaches. Let's say headaches. Uh, everything he does is a story. Uh, everything he, you know, his contract is obviously a story. His, the viral video of him in a hotel room with possible drugs is a story. His injury rehab is a story. Uh, I can't see the Giants wanting to bring in another mega personality like Des Bryant, who, you know, could mouth off and make headlines or could demand the ball in an offense with so many other people and make headlines. I just can't see them bringing in the Giants are trying to uh, get Beckham to, I don't know, for lack of a better term, tone down the Odell Beckham show and Des Bryant would only amp up the Des Bryant and Odell Beckham show. So I can't see it. I don't think he makes sense from a personality standpoint or from a what they need on the field talent wise standpoint. The one caveat would be if they cut Brandon Marshall, who has a very cut friendly contract, they owe him six and a half million dollars. If they cut him, they only have a million dollars in dead cap. So they'd save five and a half million dollars against the cap by cutting Brandon Marshall. If they cut Brandon Marshall, you could slide Des Bryant right into that veteran outside receiver with Sterling Shepard in the slot role. Uh, and I think Des Bryant's a much better player than Brandon Marshall at this point, but I don't know if it's I don't really know if it's the upgrade the Giants need. So looking at the offensive line, uh, it has been problematic in previous seasons, but they've made some big offseason additions, especially at left tackle. How does the team feel now about the offensive line? I think they feel better, but until you actually see them play the games, I don't know that it it means anything. I mean, a lot's been made that they brought in Nate Solder for the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. He's never made a Pro Bowl which is crazy, but he's you know been a pretty steady piece for Tom Brady's blind side with the Patriots. So that was a good ad. And they brought in Patrick Omema, the uh, guard from – he's bounced around quite a bit with the Bears, with the uh, Buccaneers, with the Jaguars. Uh, they brought in him to play one of the guard positions. So those are two pretty good players they brought in. But people forget they're losing two guys who were their own draft picks – who were pretty good players too in their own right, which is starting center Weston Richburg signed a big deal 
with the 49ers and starting guard slash tackle Justin Pugh signed a big deal with the Cardinals. So they basically swapped Pugh and Richburg for Omema and Solder. Is that an upgrade? I mean, I think the Giants feel that way, but it's not like a no-brainer, what a huge upgrade kind of upgrade. I mean, is there a scenario where I could see those two guys play better than the two guys they got? Of course there is. So um, they upgraded it. I think the big, the biggest thing is they're hoping that Eric Tack, when you mentioned offensive line, the biggest thing they're hoping is that Eric Flowers, who struggled mightily, a former first round pick who just was not very good as a left tackle for his first three years in the NFL. They're hoping that by signing Solder, they move him to right tackle, which was a spot they were terrible at last year with Bobby Hart. And they're hoping Flowers finds his niche at right tackle. And then it's kind of like an addition by, um, I don't, not by subtraction, but, uh, like a chain reaction addition where not only are they getting better at left tackle with Solder, they're getting better at right tackle with Flowers, who was drafted to play right tackle in the first round in 2014 and then never actually got to. He was forced right into left tackle as a rookie. All right, let's look at the defense. Uh, defensive coordinator James Betcher is switching to a 3-4. For the, the personnel currently on the team, what will the impact of that switch be? Uh, I think... It'll be pretty significant, I think, for the outside guys. It's like Olivier Vernon will probably be a stand-up rusher now instead of a hand-in-the-dirt 3-4 guy. He did that a little in his career with the Dolphins before he came to the Giants. Uh, Kareem Martin is a guy the Giants signed. Josh Morrow is a guy the Giants signed. Both were with the Cardinals last year playing in Betcher's defense in Arizona. So obviously he likes the way they fit his scheme. That's why he brought them over. Um Snacks Harrison, the defensive tackle, being un- kind of a nose tackle in a 3-4 versus a um, in a 4-3. He's done that in his past with the Jets. That fits him well. So it fits the personnel well. Um, the guy didn't really fit was Jason Pierre-Paul. They traded him to the Buccaneers for a third-round pick. So I think it fits Olivier Vernon. I think it fits Snacks Harrison. I think it fits Morrow and Martin, the guys they brought in on free agency. The guys that it might not fit great are Alec Ogletree, who struggled in a 3-4 with the Rams last year, and that's why they traded him to the Giants. Um, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who was a second round pick of the Giants last year, who played really good as a rookie, made the uh, Pro Football Writers Association all rookie team as a second round pick, played really good as like a three technique defensive tackle. And now he becomes what I'm still trying to figure out how to describe. And he becomes an end in a three four which is really kind of still like an interior tackle because the linebackers in a 3-4 are really the edge rushers. So he's technically an end. He's one of the edge threes, but he's still in kind of an in- inside role. So it'll be really interesting to miss me to see what they do with Tomlinson because if he has to be a backup nose tackle to Harrison, well, then you're cutting off your nose to spite your face because he's too good to only be playing backup reps. Sure, sure. Uh, you mentioned Ogletree, and uh, looking at those off-ball linebackers, um, it has been nine years since the team spent even just a second-round pick on the position. Is the team looking to add middle linebackers or inside linebackers in the draft? Um, I think they're looking to add a linebacker in the draft. I don't know that they're looking to add one in the top of the draft. I think that that number you just gave, which is a great stat, uh, I'll, I'll one-up you there, too. With They haven't had a linebacker make the Pro Bowl since 2006, which is crazy. Uh, Antonio Pierce in 2006 made the Pro Bowl. Um, 
they've just largely ignored linebacker and it showed up in the defensive results. Um, I think they'll add one. I think it'll probably be in the third or fourth round, uh, an inside type guy, a guy like Josie Jewell is somebody I really like for the giants from Iowa. Um, I don't think they'll add one in the top of the draft because their top of the draft needs are running back offensive line and defensive line. Uh, I expect they'll add a linebacker, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a backup type guy and they went into the season with Calvin Munson, BJ Goodson and Alec Ogletree as their inside linebackers. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the secondary. It has some talent, especially there with Landon Collins. Uh, and entering the 2017 season, you would have said Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple, but there were, uh, you know, problems with the secondary, you know, seemingly imploded, uh, in the middle of the season. What do you think we should, nice way to put it. What, what should we expect out of this secondary this year? Uh, I think the secondary is kind of like a microcosm of the whole team because the Giants, if you look at like, I, the team I like to compare them to is the Colts. The, with you know the exception of Andrew Luck, who we don't know what's up with Andrew Luck, if he's ever going to be Andrew Luck again after these injuries, the Giants are so much a better team than the Colts. The Giants have Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, Snacks, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins. The Giants have Pro Bowlers at like seven, eight spots. Um, I can't name most of the Colts roster. So the Giants should not be a three and 13 team. Um, and that's kind of how I look at the secondary. Like the Giants have some players that should be good players, right? Like Janoris Jenkins, um, coming off a season ending injury, but was an all pro caliber player two years ago. Landon Collins is a two time pro bowler in three years. He needs surgery on his forearm for the second time in four months and is going to be out until training camp. So what is he going to be? There's question marks about him. Will he be, you know, as good as he was? Eli Apple is a walking question mark, former first round pick who was suspended last year. Three Giants cornerbacks were suspended last year. Dominique Rogers, Cromartie, no longer on the team, Jenkins and Apple. Um, Apple was suspended, um, had a lot of personal stuff going on in his life. Allen's and, um, Collins actually got into a public war of world war of words where Collins called Apple a team cancer. When do you ever hear a teammate call another teammate a team cancer? I mean, that is a wild thing to do. So supposedly they've buried the hatchet. Um, really Apple, if he can play at a, uh, you know, a level of even a decent first round pick, um, and Jenkins makes a good pair. And then you add William Gay, who's a veteran from the Steelers. And they've added a couple of veterans, Teddy Williams, B.W. Webb. Uh, it seems like the Giants' plan is to stack up veteran cornerbacks and hopefully hit the jackpot on maybe two out of four or three out of five or something like that. And, you know, almost uh, go with uh, plan by the numbers and, you know, play the lottery that eventually if you have enough cornerbacks, some of them have to work out. So uh, everyone, you know, focuses on what might happen with that number two pick, but day two is very important. And you mentioned that the top of the draft needs for the team are running back, offensive line, and defensive line. Are there any day two players who are standing out to you right now as uh, guys maybe the Giants have shown interest in or who kind of seem uh, like kind of quote-unquote Giants type of players? Yeah, I'll give you a couple guys. Josh Sweat 
from uh, Florida State's a guy they've shown some interest in. He's an edge defender, uh, you know, whatever you would call that, an outside linebacker or a defensive end who fits that 3-4 scheme. He's a guy who had uh, like 14 and a half sacks at Florida State. Um coming off you know two good years uh he he fits they've they had him in for uh for they had a private meeting with him uh i think he fits on the offensive line james daniels a guy who plays guard and center for iowa he's a guy whose versatility would be good for their offensive line if he slips uh to the second round and he's not gone in the late first round uh same kind of thing with billy price the center from uh, Ohio State, who tore his peck at the NFL Combine. If he's still sitting there at 34, he makes sense for them on the offensive line. Um, there's some offensive tackles that, that end of the first uh, round that makes sense uh, if they slip into the second round, like Colt Miller of UCLA. In the third round, it would be Desmond Harrison, maybe, of uh, West Georgia, uh, though he's had some character issues. I don't know that the Giants would want to go through that. Um Deshaun Hamilton is a wide receiver the Giants have shown some interest in. We talked about how they have Marshall, Shepard, and um, Beckham, but you know they obviously need a uh, – if they're going to move on from Marshall after next season, they could use a third guy there. Deshaun Hamilton's a guy they've shown some uh, day two possible interest in. Um Running backs, you know, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny is a guy who fascinates me. Rashad Penny from San Diego State's a guy they've shown interest in. They've had private meetings with uh, Rashad Penny. He uh, led the nation in uh, rushing yards at San Diego State. Um, guy who can catch the ball. I think any running back you're looking at for the Giants is going to have to be able to be multidimensional and not just hurt you with his uh, – you know, on carries out of the backfield, but hurt you in the screen game as well. So I think those are some of the names at running back, uh, offensive line and defensive line that the Giants could really be interested in. Mm-hmm. Ryan, this has been a lot of fun. One final question here. Pat Shermer and Mike Shula are going to be running the offense this year. What should people expect to see, I guess, framed differently? How uh, might what we see out of them compare to what we saw previously out of Ben McAdoo? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think you're going to see mostly sh- what Shermer's offense has been, like maybe with the Vikings. Um, I talked to Trent Dilfer about this, and I thought it was fascinating because Trent Dilfer played for Mike Shula early in Mike Shula's career when he was with the Buccaneers as offensive coordinator and quarterback, and then Trent Dilfer also is a top quarterback analyst, uh, as good as they are uh, today. And he was saying that he loves the pairing because Shula is a kind of ground and pound guy that'll help Shermer, and Shermer is kind of a, the West Coast uh, tempo and whatnot that'll help Shula, that they come from two very different schools, but it's almost that Jerry Maguire line, right, where it's like, you complete me, and they, uh, they will, you know, pick up from each other and kind of, you know, um, what Shermer hasn't had is that, you know, between the tackles pounded out running back and what Shula hasn't had is kind of the top quarterback uh, to run his offense. And now they kind of, you know, back they help fill each other's gaps, so to speak. So I think you'll see mostly an offense that looked a little like Shermer had with the Vikings last year, but maybe with a little bit more attention to the ground and pound game that the Giants will need to play uh, with New Jersey weather in November and December. All right, Ryan, this was fantastic. Thank you for all of your insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. 
We just finished speaking with Ryan Dunleavy, a Giants beat writer for NJ.com and the Star Ledger. We covered a lot. Here are some of my quick thoughts on our conversation. Ryan thinks that the team right now is still in win-now mode in terms of how it views itself and how it is making its decisions. So I think that uh, the addition of Pat Shermer can probably make Eli Manning look good. Right, Pat Shermer has had success wherever he's gone uh, in helping his quarterbacks succeed. Sam Bradford, uh, early in his career with the Rams. Nick Foles, uh, his best season was with Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator. Sam Bradford, again, uh, first with the Eagles and then with the Vikings. And then Case Keenum last year. Right, So Shermer has had success at helping quarterbacks who you know, conceivably aren't all that great, look pretty good. Um, and these are these are guys who are veterans, right, who have had some playing time before. I think it's possible that Shermer could help Eli Manning not become the player that he was five years ago, but become competent, right? And with Shula as the offensive coordinator, maybe the team could use a ground-oriented attack to help Manning to to hide him a little bit and to limit what it is that he needs to do. Um, But Manning over the last two years has basically been a Blake Bortles who can't run just in terms of his adjusted yards per attempt. He basically has been Blake Bortles. Uh, So he will likely be better with Shermer based on the system and maybe based on some natural progression. Um, But there's only so much that Shermer can do for him. And if you think that Shermer could help Eli Manning, by the same logic, he could also probably help a young quarterback. He could be a very good mentor for a young quarterback. Um, And the team is probably more than just a new head coach away from being good anyway. So long-term, Eli Manning clearly isn't the answer for the team because he's nearing the end of his career. In the short term, the team is highly unlikely to be a contending team this upcoming season. So I think it would make a lot of, (coughs) sorry about that. I think it would make a lot of sense to add a quarterback. And I think the question comes down to is which quarterback, which guy will be available and do they like that guy more than Saquon Barkley? Um, Up to this point, I have been thinking that, Darnold, Sam Darnold, would probably be available at number two, and the word is that that is the quarterback that the Giants prefer. Uh, I've had Josh Allen going number one, but you know Darnold could go number one, which means that Josh Allen would be be there at number two. Um, it doesn't seem as if the Giants have much of an interest in Allen, but let's assume that right now it is Darnold available at number two, and the team has to make a determination between Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold. Um, right now, Ryan thinks by just a hair that the team would lean towards Barkley, uh, because they are kind of quote unquote in this win now mode and general manager, uh, Sam Gettleman has not Sam, Dave Gettleman has said that, um, the team doesn't feel as if it needs to draft a quarterback that is not boxed in to taking a quarterback which would indicate that you know they they would be fine even if they take some heat for it they would be fine with taking Barkley especially because they have seen and I think it might be 
uh, kind of a sample size bias and small sample, uh, and you know, reasons he bias too, but they've seen the success that, you know, the Cowboys have had by taking Ezekiel Elliott, number four, and that Leonard Fournette, uh, uh the impact that he has had, uh, on the, the Jaguars last year when they took him number four. Um, even though I think it's arguable that, um, you know, Zeke wasn't the most important part of what was happening in 2016 and Fournette wasn't the most important part of what was happening in 2017 for the Jags. Um, but they've seen the success that those teams have had. So potentially they could go with Barkley. Barkley is, I believe the best running back prospect of the last decade. Uh, people say things like that a lot, but with Barkley, because of his youth, his prolonged production, um, the varied way in which he has produced in college, uh, his ability as a receiver also as a return man, not that they're going to use him as a return man, but it speaks to the ability he has because of all those things. I think he actually is the top prospect running back prospect of the last decade, but running backs in comparison to quarterbacks do not compare. Um, and so I think the team should go with Darnold at number two, if he's available, he might not be right. He is the quote unquote Vegas favorite to go number one. That could happen. But if he's available at number two, I think they should go with him. Uh, if Darnold isn't available, I think they should go with Rosen or Mayfield, someone else instead of Barkley. But it seems as if they are fine with the idea of going with Barkley in terms of OBJ. Uh, as Ryan said, the team is not looking to, to trade him in part because they don't think they will get value, which is very probable. Um, you know, it's, it's possible that they could trade him during the draft, but again, I don't think that's likely. Um, when we talked, Brandon Marshall was still on the team. He didn't think it really made sense for them to add Des Bryant, given that Brandon Marshall was still on the team, given that Marshall is gone. I think it makes a lot of sense given where they are in their mindset of when now, I think it makes sense for them to add Des Bryant. I could see it happening. He wants to go there. They are familiar with him uh, from having played him over a number of years. And he is similar to Marshall, except he is better than Marshall. He does what Marshall does theoretically uh, as a player, but he does it better. Um, so I could see Des Bryant actually ending up in uh, in New York. But big picture, uh, the team can get a quarterback at number two, and it can develop that guy behind Eli Manning. Um it might not be in a position again for a number of years to get a franchise quarterback, right? It can get serviceable running backs later in the draft. Uh, you can find a list of those guys at my running back rankings at fantasy labs, but you, you know who those guys are, right? Uh, guys probably won't be there uh, at the top of the second round, but he might be right. They could get him potentially in the second round. If not him, it kind of doesn't matter because there are a number of other guys behind him, right? You have Rashad Penny, you have Royce Freeman, you have Chubb, you have Sony Michelle for the people who like Ronald Jones out there, right? There are, there are five to six very good running backs who will be available in the second, third or fourth round, right? They could draft one of those guys instead of Saquon Barkley. I think potential franchise quarterback plus one of those other running backs is better than Saquon Barkley plus, I don't know, whatever like defensive lineman they're going to grab in round two or, you know, off ball linebacker or cornerback, whatever it is that they grab in round two, round three, right? That guy will not have the impact of a franchise quarterback. So 
big picture. They have the possibility to get a franchise quarterback at number two. Um, I don't think it will happen, but that probably is what should happen. And that's going to do it for this Giants-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio@gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.